You're now listening to the Shoot for Teams podcast with your favorite guys, Dorian and Kyle. So welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Shoot for Teams podcast presented by the Hardwood brand. It's your main man, D. Hill, the gift card bandit. And your boy, old man Ross, is back. Sweatsuits and fly kicks, of course. <laughs> so today we got legendary L.A. hoop superstar, one of the most ridiculous athletes and genuine people that we've ever met. Some of his notable accolades include the 1995 CIF Player of the Year, the 95 John Wooden High School Player of the Year, uh, Parade All-American, McDonald's All-American, JUCO All-American, and All-SEC at Alabama. He has a documentary out on Amazon Prime. Um, that chronicles his early hoops career and gives the viewers an intimate uh, look at his life uh, from people that knew him on and off the court. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Shea Cotton. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yes, yeah. sir, man. W- welcome. Uh, so, Shay, we start off our podcast. When did you fall in love with the game of basketball? Great question. Uh, probably around 11 years old. Um, I just okay. finished playing playing baseball. I was good at baseball, but I kind of got bored with the sport, looking for more of a challenge. So I always played on the playground growing up in San Pedro at that time, um, the, the grade school sector, as well as in the, in the parks and stuff. And, you know, just me and my brother always kind of challenged each other. I mean, I picked the rock up at 11 and, and that was it. I mean, I fell in love with it and it was everything that I was looking for in that song. All right. That's yeah. Dope. So to someone that has never seen footage of you or have seen your documentary, like tell us a little bit about yourself and like how would you describe your game to them? Great question. Um, I think I'm a, a big hearted person. I'm, I'm kind of introverted, but still social to the people that I know. And, you know, I, I would always make time for people to speak the knowledge, kiss, you know, shake hands, kiss babies, things like that. <laughs> uh, people that don't make, probably don't know me. In this era, because of the, I didn't have the social media component. Um, I would just say that the the best description of me as a player, I feel like I was a cross between Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley put together. Hmm. I would agree with that. Okay. Okay. Um, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then from watching your film. It seems like you were under the microscope at a, a really young age. What was that pressure like? Um, you had to become a man, damn, when you was really a child. So how how was that? That was tough. Uh, a lot of a lot of um, expectation, uh, just basically to show up and show out every time I played. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have that nights off. I think that was my biggest challenge, just showing up and, and playing worthy enough. Um, so I was at peace when the game was over never knew who exactly was in the stands at all times. I knew that there was people sitting in there that could probably change my life. So mm. it was important for me to to show up and show out and be a professional and do what I had to do to help my team win as many games as possible. And that was my biggest goal. You know, I, I love to win. I love to pass as much as I scored the ball. I felt like I loved to pass even more. So anytime I had a chance to hit you with a no look like Magic used to do or <laughs> – Throw, throw a nice shovel pass to a big for, for you know, a dunk or something. I would get more hyped about that than me scoring the ball myself. So mm. a lot of things like that people don't really know because they watch me score the ball so easy because mm-hmm. uh, all the work I put in. They didn't see some of the other intangibles that I brought to the game because everybody would anticipate me dunking on somebody or wowing them with a certain play and stuff like that when the fundamentals were there too. Pass, shoot, dribble, you know, jab, stuff, pump fakes being able to step through deep, you know, double teams and things like that and understanding how to get open without the basketball was stuff that I really focused on. Would you say, Shay, that that was – what was your favorite part of the game? Was it passing? Would you say that? I think so because it was an expression. I think when you could draw a defender in and hit your your teammate with a pass that they don't even see coming, you know, that – I mean, like a wraparound pass or around Mm -hmm. somebody back, you know, or just a simple up high and I go low type of thing and throw the defender off and we finish the play. You know, the simple plays, they work all day long. Everybody's yeah. caught up in fancy plays, fancy dribbling these days, but the game is simple. We just make it hard. 
That's true. That's so true, man. Like, like when that. I used to play, you know, being a point guard, like I always, like you said, scoring is great, but if you could throw like a nice pass or somebody and get them an easy bucket, like that feeling is like you get, I used to get more hyped at doing that than scoring. Cause like you see them get happy and you see like, you know, you got them an easy bucket. Like that's, that's what it was about for me. I mean, and obviously you share that same that's sentiment. Cool. And people don't know that what you said, you know, everybody talks about you scoring, scoring, dunking, dunking, how dominant you were, but you just shared that a pass and getting your teammates involved. So that's dope. That's real. Yeah. Dope. So Shay, like when did you realize um, that you were on a different level than other kids that you were playing with in, in your age group? I, I know you played up uh, a lot, um, but even still, like you were still dominant. Like when did you realize like, look, man, I'm ahead of these guys. Great question. I think um, probably by the time I hit high school, right around 15, Mm-hmm. And I started playing with Magic Johnson in the, in the UCLA North Gym in high school. And, you know, everybody on his team was pros, NBA guys. So wow. nobody else was in high school in the gym but me. So I knew, like, okay, I'm on my way now because, you know, Magic yeah. is particular about who plays with him and, and let alone who, you know, who's in the gym. I mean, yeah. he had full control over the experience. So for him to, to call me as I'm walking into the gym, I got cotton. I mean, that – that wow. meant me because Magic was was our Michael in L.A. for the most part. And, you know, with all the charisma mm-hmm. in the world, you know, just class. So I really looked up to him, and that meant a lot to me because when I first started in 89, Hoopman, I went to Magic mm-hmm. Johnson's camp in San Diego. Yeah. He, he, uh, he was at UCSD at that time. That great spread. I think they had maybe 500 kids in the camp. It was a huge camp. But the thing I appreciated about Magic is he spent time with us. He'd go to the cafeteria with us and eat at lunchtime. Wow. He made time with us, you know, in between photos, photo ops, and signing autographs and stuff. I mean, that's he really cool. spent time with, with the campers. And I think that's when I fell in love with not only him as a player, but the Lakers, because, you know, obviously he was the man at that time. And it just it showed me a lot about what class really looks like, you know, as a professional mm. athlete, the way he – he lived his life. So I took the game serious from that point. I never looked back. Yeah. I mean, we could tell cause I, I've always watched you from afar and like, even like meeting you um, like a couple years ago, like you're very, like you're very professional. Like, like you said, like you carry yourself in a certain way and you could tell like whatever you learn from magic's camp, like you, you still, you still rocking with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Now they didn't have social media when you were around in high school, could you imagine how crazy your life would have been if social media was around back then? I don't think these people understand today. You know, when we talk about it, I think people think I'm putting 10 on two, but, you know, it's the opposite, really. I mean, not enough being put on it because we don't have enough footage to show all of the stuff that I was actually doing. And then I took over half of it when it was time to do the film from other outlets and they claim they didn't have it. You know, it's it's interesting when when ones don't make it that were more talented than ones that do. They try to suppress and cover it up like it never really happened. And I think mm. that's the reason why we created the Man Child documentary. So this one happened to nobody else's kids up and coming. And and it would enlighten a lot of people and show them like look, all the best players don't always make it. And all the best players in the world aren't necessarily playing in the NBA either. The things have that's to Fall, fall your way, you know, uh, whether it be luck, a good break, um, just timing, and just ultimately what, what's in the cards for your life, what God has planned for you. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, because, <laughs> man, if, if you were on – if they had Instagram back then, that would be crazy, bro. Like, I can only imagine, like, especially – because I've seen you dunk on some dudes and the whole gym, everybody goes ballistic. Just imagine, yeah. like – millions of people getting to see that you like it's crazy now to see because even sports center picks up on these high school kids mm-hmm. highlights and they put it on their feed like back in 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 our day like that was unheard of like you had to be a professional exactly but, but yeah man you, the stuff that you used to do man and i and i want to say this one thing about that to piggyback i noticed kids like lonzo ball for instance he was popular before he even got in the league because of Instagram. 
So right. you have so many players like Dorian yeah. and you refer to that are popular before they even get to the league or they have the fan base to push. Hey, let you know what? He's so popular. Maybe he'll go earlier in the draft. The skill set might not be there, but because he's popular, you know, they, they, they follow that more. And they, we saw that summer league D this year, like yeah. look how many kids were cheering for, uh, what was it? Jello. Yeah. And it was like, dude is not even in the league. He's trying to get in the league. So I, it would be scary for you uh, if they had social media, Facebook, anything. Yeah. yeah. I'm born too early. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you know, were. You the were. Thing is now with this platform, we want to really monetize this movement, you know, whether it's the Manchild documentary, the product, the apparel we have available on our website at therealmanchild.com. Um, speaking engagements that I do, camps, clinics, tournaments. Um, currently just, just formed a foundation that's going to be a great deal. Uh, that's going to serve the whole Los Angeles County uh, Academy of the name of it. And okay. we're starting in the city where I made my name in Long Beach. And it's going to be a citywide year-round league that we're working on um, to be confirmed by dealing in the next 30 days. And it will start right after the new year. And it would, it would basically run in three-month increments for four sessions. And it oh. would be pretty much from uh, fourth through eighth grade. And we, we want to change this narrative in the inner city and give kids the opportunities that kids that come from money have and, and take that that equation out of, out, of, out of the mix just because you don't have funds. You can't have access to, you know, the best teaching and the best products and, you know, uh, health and wellness, stuff like that. Mental health opportunities with crisis counseling across right. the board, being able to express yourself through art, which is one of our concentrations. You know, I'm a big guy in art. I love, you know, the art galas and and just different paintings and, and Picasso's and Van Gogh. I would I would be fascinated with that when I read about that stuff in school. So yeah. people don't really know that about me because it's right. been like shine on the basketball me. They they lost sight of the person. So I think this is a second opportunity for me to reintroduce myself to the world, you know, through my body of work and, and the things that we're doing today. That's, that's that's awesome. And hey brother, yeah. I'm I'm gonna plug us like if we can help you out, bro. Please, like, uh, we're into the arts too. Like, yeah, um, absolutely. And we're all about just trying to create, you know, create a, a a better community for these these kids coming up, man. Because, like you said, like a lot of the things that are going on now in the hoops culture, it it, it needs to change. So, yeah. like, we yeah. definitely applaud you for for stepping up and doing that. And um, if yeah. we can help you in any way, man, just let us know. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, so yeah, keeping it going. Uh, so being a top player in your class, like I know that had to be like awesome to get that recognition, but also stressful at the same time. Like, how did you deal with that? Like that constant having to be on all the time? Well, I guess I was always looking for that next challenge. Um, growing up, my father and my mother taught me and my brother just the value of work ethic and uh, accountability, you know, being people of integrity, having a strong faith in God and just letting your actions speak, you know, rather than being a talker, be a doer. Mm. So I was always looking for that next thing. You know, we accomplished one milestone. I'm looking for the next one. You know, ESPN ranked me. Uh, going into high school, I'd already been on Sunkiss Kids, Scholastic Sports America, which was our biggest national outlet at the time yeah. uh, before all the social media. I was already nationally known before I even hit high school. So when I hit high school, my goal was like, I want to be the number one player in the country. I want to be a McDonald's All-American. You know, I want to be a guy that they'll talk about forever. I want to be the John Wood Player of the Year. You know, I want to make Street and Smith Magazine. I wanted to be on the cover of Student Sports, Cal High Student Sports Magazine. All these things that I'm talking about, I was blessed to accomplish. And I want people to understand that. How many people can actually say that? Let You know, we got guys that make the NBA, and that's a very hard feat at, in itself. Less than a 1% chance to make it. And people need to really understand that with all the millions of people that are playing basketball in the world, you have less than a 1% chance to make it. So you might want to look at plan B and plan C in the, in the, in the same time when you're, you're embarking them to become a, an NBA player or the NFL, Major League Baseball. You know, give yourself options so you don't have like this, this moment where you're just like awestruck and you're, you're dumbfounded. You don't know what to do. It's hard to, to bounce back when something doesn't work out because life is going to happen at some point. There's going to be adversities, and it's not how we handle the wins. It's how we handle our losses. That's where the character lives. But everybody wants to 
talk about the good, but they don't want to visit that bad and peel them layers back. But that's where the growth and the insight lies, man. And I live in that space because my life is not what I thought it would be today. But I feel in my heart of hearts, God has me where I'm supposed to be at. And it's having peace with that and building, building, moving forward and having dreams, you know, and, and really investing in those dreams. As long as we are alive, that means we still have work to do. And if you're still dreaming and you got something burning in your heart, you need to exercise it. Yo, I love that, bro. That's, that's, that's awesome. what it is, bro. That yeah. is awesome. If we, if we had to end the podcast now, <laughs> I'll be... <laughs> I was gonna say, man, you just ended it right there. You hit me, brother. <laughs> no, that's you hit it right on the head. I mean, damn, for real, <laughs> for damn. real. Um, I was gonna ask you, but you kind of mentioned earlier who you modeled your game after. But you had mentioned Mike and Charles. Um, is there anybody else that you kind of looked up to, or you modeled your game after, or it would be those two individuals? Early on when I hooped, um, I'm going to tell you who I really liked in high school. Um, when I was a kid, in my adolescence, excuse me, I used to watch Ed O'Bannon a lot. At, uh, oh. Ed was special, man. Um, I thought was. he was one of the best players in the country, played the Dapper Dan Classic, McDonald's All-American. I felt what he did in high school, I mean, college was nothing compared to what he was doing in high school. And, and beyond that, just the way he played the game at that time. He, you know, he was aggressive. He had a nice flow to his game. He was athletic. He he played hard. So he had all those intangibles. And I used to work out with him all the time. Him and uh, his brother Charles, my brother James, uh, DeAndre Austin, Avondre Jones. I mean, these were some of the top players in Southern California at the time. They're all in high school now. I'm playing, I'm in middle school. Like wow. I, I was in middle school. I think I might have been in sixth grade, seventh grade. At that time, and these guys are like juniors and seniors in high school. So That's crazy. <laughs> I got a chance to, to learn early, like take the game serious, tempo, intensity, consistency, showing up, coming early, staying late, you know, really adapting to those to those things, those intangibles to make you the best that you can be, not just in sport, but in life. I took that into everything that I do now today. And I think that's what makes a difference. You know, the people that are willing to come early, stay late consistently, no matter how you feel and no matter what's going on around you, you're locked and loaded every time. You know, it's like when I wake up, every time God opened my eyes, it's time to wake up, get up, get to it. You know, no excuses. Everybody has 24 hours in a day. What separates two people is how they spend it. Yep. Man. You need to be a motivational speaker. Open up. Well, we're working on that, man. Got to cut the check. I've had a lot of experience. You know what I mean? No, yeah, bro, yeah. you got it, man. You yeah, definitely got it, man. We gonna make sure all the kids for real. I mean, we still got some other questions, and we'll let you talk more about what you were mentioned. You referred to earlier, but man, you got it for real. There's a reason. There's yes, a reason. It definitely is. It, that's evident right now, man. Like I've I've seen some clips of you, but like just talking to you one on one. And like here today, like you can see it, man. Like it's the reason why you 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 where you are right now, man. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And I've embraced my purpose. You know, it's like the hardest thing sometimes when things don't work out and you put your goals, your aspirations yep. up, and you saying to yourself, Why I didn't get there? What mm -hmm. did I do not to get there? Like in those feelings, that that uh disappointment. If you have something burning inside, it can drive you to, to do things beyond your wildest dreams because of the lack thereof. That yeah. feeling alone. You know, mm -hmm. if, you, if you're a dog by nature, it's going to come out in different ways. It doesn't have to just be in sport. Mm -hmm. You know, like you talked about being a motivational speaker. I love that because I can move a, a room in one sitting. I could touch 500, 1,000, 1,500 at one time where mm – -hmm. You know, on the basketball court, I can impact whoever's watching the game, but the people that's sitting in that, that room that's getting that one-on-one -on -one intimate experience, they're going to carry that the rest of their lives. People may forget a play on the court, yeah. but nobody forgets how somebody impacts their life and changes them to make them better. Yeah, man. I'm blown away, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. Right. Nah, like it, it's always good to, you know, that's why we kind of started the podcast. Just like we know like what, what people can do on the court and their talents and all that stuff. But like to be able to talk to people and like, you know, have them be able to share their, their stories and tell us like, you know, other aspects of their lives other than basketball. Like 
and you being able to do that so eloquently today, like that's that's what that's why we started this podcast. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. Down with people like yourself. Um, but <laughs> to get back on the hoop side of it, <laughs> so like who was like one of the best players that you ever went up against? I I know you say you played with Magic um, when you were young, and that's to me that would be top of the list but i mean you got a chance to play with a lot of players so like who who was one of the best players you ever played against i played against a lot of guys i mean jimmy jackson uh yeah. eddie jones these guys i played against them in the front when i was in high school oh, so, man. and i was going at them too by the way but uh I would have <laughs> kobe bryant for sure rest in mm. peace uh he's the guy that the only guy that i played against with the exception of probably metal world peace that matched my fervor that mm. I brought came. And I think um, it's just unfortunate, man. When he passed, you know, it was it was unreal. I got the information when I was in church. It hit me, you know, like a part of me died too because it's like a, a blood brother to me, you know, uh, this basketball brotherhood. Mm-hmm. It, there's nothing like it, you know, because you fight wars together. You guys go through training. You do, you know, preseason conditioning and all these different tournaments and camps. You you face each other. You develop bonds whether you, you grow up on the same coast or not. And it was like an um, an unspoken respect that we had for each other after we played one another. Um, he was, I think, a rising senior. Mm-hmm. I was finishing my sophomore year in high school. We just won a state title. I was a state player of the year, CIF player of the year that, that year. And um, I was on a, on a cloud. And I heard about Kobe. wasn't really familiar with him because he was just coming onto the scene. And uh, we met in, in Princeton, New Jersey, at the NBA Players Camp in 95, I believe. And uh, we, we had a hell of a matchup. You know, he, he knew of me, had some stuff to say that kind of motivated me a little bit before we played, you know, that I took personal about West Coast players and things like oh. that, us being soft and, and stuff like that. And so I took it to heart. I played with a chip already, so I just put a bigger one up there when we played that next <laughs> day. And I went out. I mean, we had a battle. He couldn't do nothing with me. I mean, he was, he was a great player at that time, but nothing nothing like myself. I, I just I was just too much, you know, strength, athleticism, toughness. I could yeah. handle, chew, pass, get to the rim at will. You know, had a couple plays. I went around him and just dunked it hard. Um, he caught me off a tip dunk. I was blocking out somebody else's guy. He kind of caught me sleeping, came over the back. So... I, I know I, he has. I, I know he has some words to say. <laughs> I know he has some words to say. Oh, oh yeah. Now we went. We went left and right, man. We went back and forth. But after the matchup, you know, my team won. I thought I got the better in them that game. But that's a that's a battle that we you know we'll both take to our graves. Obviously, he's no longer here. But after we would see each other around the city, he would always give me my love, no matter where he was at. If he were, if he saw me. He'd go out of his way just to acknowledge. I think the year he got drafted after we played, I saw him at Venice Beach. He had just brought bought the uh, brand new uh, Land Cruiser, the big the big Jeep yeah, they had. I remember that. Yeah, it was a blue one, I think, with like white interior. Mm-hmm. He hopped out, saw me. Cotton, what's up? Came over, you know, acknowledged me. I was with my cousin, and my cousin was blown away. Like Kobe just came up to you. I said, "Man, I've been telling you guys, this is Paramount, you know." And uh, and I and I and I gave it to him. So the guys know at the top who are the other guys that kind of mm-hmm. gave it to him and had their toughest matchups. And I don't hesitate. I mean, he's he's clearly my number one competitor that I faced. And Metal World Peace will be a close second. Yeah. Wow. wow. Just I'm imagine if go ahead. Just, Kyle. just imagine if you had. A little of that footage, not to even show us, <laughs> but just for you to show maybe the kids that you're coaching and training. You know what I mean? Just to have yeah. in your archives. That I try. They, they claim they don't have it. I, I said, know, I'm, man. I'm, I understand, and I understand the game. Yeah. I know how it is. Yeah, this is the first year y'all did this. How is that possible? But you know what it does? It lends more to the mystique of mm-hmm. of my, my legendary. You know, it, mm-hmm. at the end day, it's all you can hold on to is the the stories that people share whatever articles or whatever footage that you have. Like, I think it makes it more special because it's not as diluted as it is today where it's everywhere. It's endless. True. Yeah. Very true. Instagram, Twitter. We didn't have that. So I think that part of it now 
has affected the game, believe it or not. It made it more readily accessible to have access to content, but it diluted the game in terms of kids really working, becoming students of the game, studying their craft, watching video analysis on, on teammates, players, opponents, you know, just understanding who you really are in the game. Like, I mean, there's a lot of that play, but what makes you different from anybody else? And that was my thing. When I played, I wanted to do, do, do things that nobody else can emulate. And you definitely did that. Yeah, you saw him. You saw him play, right, Dorn? Yeah, I've seen him a couple of times play, yeah, man. And yeah. I was just in awe. <laughs> like, I, first, I couldn't believe like a dude at your size doing the things you were doing, and it right. just always seemed like, like when you took off in the air, I was like, "What?" <laughs> I just couldn't believe it, bro. Like, <laughs> it was See, just... I tell people it's not about the size of a man; it's nah. the heart. Yeah. I'm six five three quarters, basically six six with my shoes on, and I'm dunking on centers off the off the vert, no step, off yeah. the pass, catch it. Hey, you know if if you're not taking off when I'm taking off, it's too late. Yeah. It doesn't matter mm. how big you are. So, explosiveness is a different thing. And and when I watch the NBA today, the guy that I see that has that is a Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy like uh, the guy in Minnesota. Anthony Edwards. Oh, oh yes. yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. He's another one. He's, oh, yeah. He's yeah. special. He's, he's probably going to have to get out of Minnesota, though, because it's a bad market for him. Yeah. You know? But, you know, a guy like that, John Morant, very explosive. Oh, at dangerous. dangerous. So there, there's guys in the league that have that that have that specialness to them. Yeah. They're not put in the right situation. It, 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 it doesn't look right. It just, mm. you see it in first when, you should have a team that gets behind that, supports mm-hmm. that. Because you don't see a lot of players that possess that. Nah, that's true, man. Anthony Edwards is a bad boy, boy. You hit it on the oh. head. He <laughs> should have been rookie of the year, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> right. Um, ex- a, uh, explain to us the importance of your brother and how the de- you know he he helped you with the development of your game. Great question. Um, I gleam to him. We two and a half years apart, and. We never really got a chance to play together. Um, we grew up, started playing the Slammer Jam in the L.A. area with Izzy Washington, who passed away. I would always play up with his peers and then play down with my team, too. So mm. whenever I was available, when we didn't have games, I played with my brother's crew, and they were always two, three years older. So I, I was thrown into the fire from young, and I think playing with him, training with him, we'd come home, we'd shoot in the backyard, we had a court, we built a little – you know, a uh, little court that we had and we'd shoot nonstop. We'd play one-on-one. He'd beat me up constantly and I'd get tired of it. And I said, man, I'm going to get stronger. You ain't going to keep pushing me around. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're going to feel my strength too. <laughs> so I was driven to get stronger. I was taking my aminos. I was taking my protein shakes, eating as much as I could, getting the proper rest, icing my body, stretching, watching all the film. I mean, I absorbed the game. It wasn't just I'm out here playing, running up and down the court. People watch the footage. You got to really take a look at what I was doing. I was maximizing space. I wasn't wasting energy. Like I wanted to really be a guy that my team could look to. When it was time to make something happen, they knew they could give me the ball and I wasn't going to be scared and I would come through consistently. And I think there's something to be said for that because you don't see a lot of guys that possess that today. I see a lot of this, mm-hmm. but this is what you look for as a professional. And the guys that possess that are the ones that get paid the most. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy, man. Um, I was going to ask him about a few players that are still getting paid that are, are that are like this, but I'll <laughs> let it be. I'll leave it alone. <laughs> I'll leave it. They got the right agent. <laughs> exactly. Because we've seen a couple bags being thrown. I'm like, dang. Yeah. Okay. No, nah, that's that's one thing I would say about your game, Shay. Like, like, uh, it was always you were always the same. Like you said, like it was always gonna be steady. Like you knew what we, you was gonna get. Or like when we came to see you play, or like you know, like as your teammates, they knew what they were gonna get. Like they knew that you was never gonna stop. Like you was gonna give your one hundred and ten percent all the time, and that was apparent just watching you play, man. So. I, that's kudos to you for that, too, because there's not many players in today's game that have that drive to keep at that steady pace. Like you said, there's always these ebbs and flows in their game. And why do you think that is? 
man, I don't know. I mean, people just don't have they they're there. They're getting. I mean, for me personally, I think all of these off the court things and their their uh, how much money they're getting paid. It, it, it kind of has a lot to do with it. It kind of messes with their motivation a little bit. I, think I mean, that, personally, I think, it's like I I think that I think a lot of it to piggyback off Dorian Shay the money. And this is a prime example. Even in the NFL, you they give these guys, the quarterbacks especially, they gave Patrick Mahomes a half a billion dollars, and he hasn't been playing as well as he was before. Look at Josh Allen. He's starting to get it together. But all, Tannehill, all these dudes that just got paid a lot of money, they're comfortable now, especially if they got a good guaranteed and a good agent. Like you said, a lot of them are kind of coasting. Lamar Jackson is playing very well. But yeah, he doesn't have a guaranteed contract yet, so he has to play for something. Not to say that he, not to say that he wouldn't play. I don't know the man personally, but I'm just giving an example to piggyback off Dorian. Right, right. You know, that makes perfect sense, and that's that's unfortunate because I think you know the game is being deprived, the fans are being deprived. I think these players are depriving themselves of, mm-hmm. of the potential of what they could actually become. Exactly. What, when you're doing it just for this, it's short-lived. Yeah. I mean, money come and go, man, but legends are forever. So yeah. if you're willing to lay it on the line every night, you'd be surprised what you can what you can do or, you know, what you can accomplish. I mean, I look at a guy like Alan Iverson that was six feet tall. He was one of the toughest guys pound for pound in the NBA when it was no slap in the league, and it was not as technical as it is today. It was a lot more physical. So yeah. It was a lot tougher to do what he was doing at that time. And I don't know if people realize that, considering how big he was. I mean, he was, what, 6'1", 180? Yeah, he was a little dude, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you saw what he did to Jordan at the top of the key. Like, he was fearless. So, I mean, I got a lot of respect for guys that maybe aren't as big, mm-hmm. who plays big, and they got huge hearts. They're just such competitors. You know, I consider it like a lion heart. That's, yeah. that's how I played. I didn't care about who was on the other side. When the ball went up, the jitters go out. It's time to go to work. And, you know, I, that started from young. My father had me and my brother do a construction at 10, 11 years old. Wow. He, he never teaching us to value hard work and, and the gift of our blessing. And that's what really drove me in my sport to go even harder because I didn't want to do that kind of work for a living, but I understood what he was teaching me at that time. Wow. And, and I think that, that was very important because and also like a lot of these kids nowadays, I feel like they've been coddled so much at such an early age, like with the AU and all this stuff, and they didn't have to do manual labor or they don't know what that life is like. So they think that this life from this AU, they're getting shoes, they're getting all this stuff all the way up until they possibly get drafted. Like they've never experienced what it's like to be in this real world. So they're like, I don't know, you know, like they don't have the drive, like or the hunger that you play with. Like some, guy, I'm not saying that all all players in the league are now, but a lot of guys lack that hunger that you you and many other players in the past played with because, like, you weren't getting 15 million coming out of college, like it, straight out the drafting your rookie contract. Like, no, you was getting what, like three million at the max. Right. Yeah. Now yeah. these dudes is getting like 10, 15 million. Like, if you giving me that, I'm like, well, I can kind of relax a little bit. Like, I don't gotta like my family set. So I don't know. I mean, I know we could go on and on about that, but yeah, just I just think a lot of players are not as driven and hungry as they used to be. And one right. thing before we continue, I know we gotta go. Yeah. Social media, I think Shay has a lot to do with it too, because you were you you referenced this earlier. On social media, when you go to these players' page, you don't see them missing shots. You just see them making the dunks with the crossover moves, all the stuff that they that they completed. But it's like, well, how long were you in the gym to even attempt that dunk? So everybody thinks, oh, well, I can do this. I can get these shoes. I can get this contract. I could go here. But it's like you don't know how much of the hard work is being put in behind the scenes. And that's right. where I think a lot of the kids, that's where their mind gets messed up because they think, okay, this person has this on social media. It's quick. I can get it like this overnight. And you, what you said, hard work pays off. Yeah. And that's what they yeah. got to realize, it, it, you know? 
yeah, you forget the process. I mean, yeah. anything, anything substantial that's going to be sustainable in life, you're going to go through a process to get to it. Anything that's just like instant gratification, you got to look at that one eye open. Like, mm -hmm. there's strings attached to this. What's the catch? Yep. You know what I mean? Because there's nothing for free in this world. I mean, you got to pay just to flush the toilet. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, have right. to be, you have to be a realist about what is it that I'm looking to accomplish? What kind of talent do I really bring to the table? And do I have what it takes to attain what I'm looking to embark on? I tell people all the time, if your why is not stronger than adversity, you're going to fail every time. Mm. Dropping gems, bro. You you got you got all kind of t-shirts you got to come out with, man. That's right. That's right. Maybe we could do something together. Hey, yeah. let's work, bro. Let's do it. Yeah, let's man. Do you it. got. Oh man, you got so much. All right, so you did. Go ahead, man. Yeah. So speaking of talent and people that have that dog in them, uh, you were supposed to go to UCLA and play with Baron Davis. Um, do you ever like think about what that could have been and like all that you guys could have accomplished there? Yeah, I mean, we were we were all there together. You know what I'm saying? I was just freshman FSP with everybody. I mean, I made it to the last day of our summer program, passed all my courses. Man. And, you know, uh, the, the the proctor of our test, after we finished in my last course, they, she brought a, a newspaper to my table. Mr. Cotton, what is this? And it clearly said NC2A validates Cotton's test score. So the same test score that was fine when I was at Long Beach State, the minute I – I asked to get out of my letter, and they, they granted it. I chose to go to UCLA. That was our West Coast, North Carolina. I knew mm -hmm. I'd be halfway to the league, and I, I'm familiar with the campus. I've played there several times, working out with Magic and things like that over the years. And um, it, it ultimately went the way it was supposed to. You know, I, I did everything that I could for things to work out in my favor and do it above board. And um, there's something to be said for that. I think powers that be evidently didn't like it because I wasn't on the tape. I wasn't in nobody's pocket financially mm. and it didn't control me. So it was like, I have my own mind, and, you know, I have my own dreams and I still do today, you know, and nobody owns me. I'm, I'm under the dominion of my creator up above. So, you know, and my job is to do the best to my ability every day to be true to who I really am and what I stand for and what I was raised to become. And I thank God that, you know, my parents, raised me and my brother the way they did because I think the integrity with work ethic and sacrifice together makes an interesting component. Yeah, man. That's, yeah. That's the truth. That's awesome, bro. Do you, what are your thoughts on the NCAA? Do you, do you tell the kids that you train um, and work out with certain things maybe to avoid or just give, uh, give them gems on certain things? Yeah, typically um, yeah, I tell them it's all about your perception, your image, you know, mm. nowadays, a lot of the coaches, different institutions, universities, they, they do a lot of scouting through social media. So if you want to be recruited by the bigger schools, you know, from the power conferences, you need to clean your social media content to make sure that that's above board, you know, so you'll be somebody that would be a recruitable D1 student athlete. And furthermore, you know, really work on your weaknesses and really, really test yourself and get out of, Get out of the uh, the aura, get mm -hmm. out of the, the fame and the the, uh, the the focus of how many likes you got or you know how many followers you have, and, you know what kind of shoes you're wearing. It's not all about the look, you know. Before the look, you have to put in the work. And you know, I had a, basically a Nike deal in high school without the money. I wore a different pair of sneakers every game, and I had the highest of highest: Scottie Pippen, the Barclays, the Jordans, the mm -hmm. Andre. All the biggest athletes Nike has signed, I wore their sneakers a lot of times before they even hit the shelves in the, in the Foot Locker. So people need to realize what type of influence you think I had without the money. Right. You know, and I'm in the second largest media market next to New York City in L.A. And we got Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So if I'm the next biggest thing next to Magic Johnson, including all the college players, I mean, what kind of opportunities you think I had at that time? My parents were very stringent about keeping me well-rounded and keeping me grounded, you know, and close to the nest. So I didn't lose sight of what was really important, being a good person, doing things with the right intention and doing it better than everybody else. Yeah. And because that's important. I, I think, you know, uh, you could clearly tell that your parents had a big influence on you and your brother's lives and the way you guys were brought up. And, 
Yeah. Like, I think, I think the way you're handling what happened in your life is uh, direct. Uh, I can't even think of the word, but like directly influenced by the way you were brought up by your parents. Yeah. Right. So a direct result. Exactly. There it is. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. yeah I got you. Um, so yeah, like we all know the story, like you didn't make it to the NBA, but you did get to go overseas and have a career overseas. Talk about how, how, how that affected you and like your experience overseas. Early on, it was hell. Um, I think for six weeks, I I got a job right out of the CBA in Eastern Europe playing with a Vladi Divac team at the time. We had the same agent, Mark Fleischer. Uh, the team was KK Partizan. In, in uh, Serbia, which is formerly known as Belgrade, Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. And it was in the EuroLeague, so it was a great job. Financially, good money. Um, I got over there, worked hard. I was playing well. And then I don't play for two or three games, just for nothing. You know, the coach wasn't, I guess he wasn't a fan of mine or whatever it was, and they weren't really ready for, I guess, the black American. At the- and I had to sit behind guys that I was 10 times better than because it was the country local, you know, played on the national team and he had to be the focal point. So it was a political move. And I'm saying to myself, wow, you guys rather sacrifice losing games to play a local player to send a message because they couldn't take my money because it was secured with the agent. And I think the coach resented that. So when we would lose games, he would find the team and doc pay. Now think about that. Think about if they did that in the NBA. Wow. Guys, guys might not have had that tenure that they had in the league. They might have been different with their career. So absolutely about that kind of thing. It's like, you know, they're the overseas market is a grind. Um, Now, when I got comfortable, I fell in love with the experience, the cuisine, you know, I have a lot of people in that country now that are still fans of mine. But I played all over. I played in China with Yao Ming before he came to Houston with the Shanghai Sharks. You know, I was in CBA prior to all of this. I did the MBDL stuff, played in the USBL with Daryl Dawkins' team, the you know, Pennsylvania Valley Dogs in Allentown right outside of Philly. You know, oh. I did all of those little twists and turns. Played, played all throughout South America, Venezuela, Dominican Republic. You know, uh, I had to go to different countries. Because that's who was signing me. I said, look, this right. is what I for a living. I left college to become a professional. So yeah. that was that was a chore because I would see all of my peers playing in the league. And here I am going to countries, playing in towns I never even knew existed just to play the game I love. Do you have, that, do you have a favorite? Yeah. Out of all the countries? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd probably say Venezuela because of the weather, you know. Okay. Uh, women pretty attractive and the food was pretty good and, <laughs> that uh, always helps <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> coming from here the, the weather the climate was nice so that that was a good adjustment but um okay. Okay. i think from a basketball standpoint playing in serbia was probably the closest thing to being here because they're they're some of the tougher europeans so i would get that that matchup that i was looking for you know in practice and in the games and stuff but it was easy, man. I mean, I played Maccabi Tel Aviv when I was there. And I had, in like 10 minutes, I had like, I think it was like 16 and like eight. Damn. You know, like 10 minutes. And this is the top team in the EuroLeague. And it was easy. It wasn't even, it wasn't even an issue. A three ball to the rim, mid-range, you know, follow-up, stuff like that. Just get on the board quick. The next thing you know, I got 16 and eight. And then I'm getting subbed out and don't see the floor again. And then after that, I don't play for three games. And I'm like, man, this is politics, huh? Yeah. 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 That had to be like a lot of mental fatigue on you, bro. Like to be able to play, like you said, and and score so easily against a team. Because I remember, you know, like the the world game wasn't as big as it was that it is now back then. So you only heard of a couple of teams. And Maccabi Tel Aviv was always a team you heard about. And for you to, you know, be able to score and do what you did so easily, you would think that they would be like, we got to get this guy more time. But like you said, the European game is way different than than what it is yeah, over here. They got politics too. You know, strange things happen. I mean, they, they have their system over there just like we have our system here. The only difference is as a foreigner coming to the U.S., 
we roll the red carpet out. When we go there. This is true. That's the dog's life. Damn. Yeah, you got to earn everything. So it, it's just a different dynamic, but it makes you appreciate, number one, being an American, and secondly, you know, having the opportunity to get that worldly experience because I was able to travel and, and, and immerse myself in different cultures and learn pieces of different languages and stuff and meet people from a completely part, different part of the world to help me become more well-rounded as an adult. And, you know, I'm grateful for those experiences. Sure, man. Well, everybody always says Shay is the LeBron before LeBron. <laughs> Would you agree or disagree? <laughs> I think that's convenient to say with, with the prowess. Um, but I told you who... Yeah, no, I didn't even ask you the other, but I just wanted to hear about the LeBron. I didn't even ask right. you who would yeah, it, And the LeBron before LeBron is, is, is cool. I think it's catchy. It's got a ring to it. But mm -hmm. if you look at our, I mean, what, what much different size, you know, height and stuff like that, stature, mm -hmm. um, I'm probably built more like a tank. And, he, you know, he's, he's elongated, more like mm -hmm. a tight end or something like that on the football field. And, you know, it. It's a different element. I think his physical prowess, I mirrored. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the explosiveness, most definitely. But the toughness factor, I was a different animal. For sure. That killer yeah. instinct, huh? Yeah. 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 pull off muscle. I ain't eight in a month. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh. I like that, too. I like that, too. So what was, what was your... I don't want to say your career was disappointment because it doesn't sound like that at all. But like for you, like what would you say was one of your biggest disappointments as far as like your hoops career went? Uh, definitely probably not getting drafted. I think everything that I put into it, I should at least had the opportunity to lace them up at the highest level in our country and show the world, you know, what I was capable of doing. You know, I feel like, Kobe had the opportunity. Why did not? You know, and I know what I did to him, and he does too. Rest in peace. And, you know, just the cards bounced a little bit different for me. And, um, you know, with that being said, this is this is the second part of my life I'm coming into now. Like, mm. that chapter's closed. And it's interesting that people want to keep revisiting that. It, right, it, right. To me, like, that should tell people something right there. The fact that I'm still talked about 25 years later. You know, and I haven't really been on the scene. Like, I'm like a ghost. And I love it because I'm not around in all the who's who and the hoopla. And I don't go out and be around all the guys and congregate. I just stay focused on my lane, you know. Mm. And, and my lane is living a life of service. I operate my purpose, you know, dealing with kids, building an infrastructure that's never really been built before that can change the narrative in our, our inner cities of North America. That's more special to me than what I did when I played because then I can impact lives from here on out. Yeah, that's, that's great. It, I mean, and say this is the last, as far as that goes, is there anything you would change if you could change one thing in, in your career, anything you would change if you could go back, is there any, or you're happy where you are? Well, I think ultimately I've arrived where I'm supposed to be at, but if I had right. change anything, I mean, it'd probably be two things. It'd be the, the play that I went for the ball um, in the summer playing against Long Island Panthers with, against Kareem, uh, Kareem Shabazz and mm -hmm. Khalid Alameen and uh, Tavares Bill, Lamar Odom. With that team, uh, we were playing against with the SoCal All-Stars, my AAU team here. I would have changed that play when I went for the ball on a jump ball with Kareem Shabazz and when I tore my shoulder at mm. the reconstruction. and uh, I probably would have just went out of high school to the NBA and made the jump. I gotcha. mean, I wasn't aware of how easy it would have been for me to do it at that time because my focus was going to college because mm -hmm. it wasn't so prevalent at that time. But, uh, yeah, that would probably be the only other thing I would have changed because looking at my career, you know, I had two years taken out of my career from high school to college that I never was able to recruit. And I think to myself, that could have been my first two years in the NBA. Right. So, right. but I mean, that's hindsight's 50-50. Right. right, 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 of course. Yeah, my course. parents were basketball people, and, and I feel like it ultimately went the way it was supposed to. And, you know, my life is going to be a lesson for a lot of people moving forward. So I'm fine with that. Yeah, I got that.
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, I mean, you, you can always dream about that stuff, but, you know, you are where you're supposed to be, bro. Like, mm-hmm. and you definitely are uh, anointed with that, man. Like, you can you can see it all over, especially when you talk, like, throughout our whole conversation, we talk, you know, about basketball and stuff, but you clearly light up when you talk about talking to the youth and motivating and changing the narrative. Like, that's your purpose, man. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. Like, we got kids in the inner city right now that all have talent, okay? Yeah. Kids are going to fall through the cracks just because of the lack of resources and the lack of support, okay? So if that's something that I can change on my watch, I'm going to do it. And and it's not even a question. I mean, and I'm I'm getting to the belly. I mean, I just had a meeting in the Nickerson Gardens with their people about bringing a a basketball program in for the kids and building that infrastructure, giving kids opportunities to take field trips to different colleges and be able to, you know, get on a plane and go to Vegas and play in the AAU tournament and go to mm-hmm. Phoenix and play in the AAU tournament when they've never even probably been past the 110. Free right, right. You know, yeah. this kind of thing is a big deal because it goes beyond basketball. We're talking about life skills now. We're talking about mental health, okay, you know, financial literacy, uh, things that could really help mold people to be better. This is what this is about. You know, this, this engine that I'm creating with our board it's never really been done before. I mean, I'm going to take the financial component out of the way and put the resources in place for the kids and let the cream rise to the top. I mean, that's right. basically what the kids need. They need the support. They need the resources. And they need to be inspired to do better, to do different. Yeah, for sure. So, like, what advice would you give, like, to say, like, you, like in your program, there's a kid that's, like, just a, like a little phenom, like, what advice would you give him going forward, or or her, or yes, or her? And girls can go too. I am sorry. It's okay. <laughs> yes. it's all right. It's all right. No, no. What? <laughs> yes. What? What would you? What advice would you give them um, moving forward in their hoops career? I would. I would tell them to stay humble, stay hungry, um, and sacrifice more than you succeed. Mm. That's another shirt, by the way. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it we is. We got to do something. Man, 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 man. I love that, though, that you got to sacrifice more than you succeed. That, I mean, that says it all right there, man. Because I think a lot of kids nowadays, they don't know what sacrifice is because everything's being handed to them. Right. And... Yeah, if more kids could learn that sacrifice, it'd be better for the game for sure. Absolutely, and I think it'll be a better, a better America because then they can give back more to the youth coming up. You know, it's each one teach one. So when you yep. get to that, uh, you got to look back and see who's close. And, you know, who's got the ability to get up there too. You got to extend the hand. It isn't just about you getting there. And, okay, everybody else got to figure it out. Nobody told me how to do it. I had to do it on my own. That mentality is not going to get you far in life. You know, and I'm glad I don't have that kind of heart. You know, even when I hooped, I was at the top. I always made time for people. And I think that that's a that's something that I don't ever want to get away from because we can always make money, but you can't make more time. Nice. That's true. Another shirt. Look at that. We got about <laughs> five shirts. <laughs> uh, okay, so, Shay, um, it took a couple years. You, you finally released the documentary Manchild, which we both watched was excellent, excellent mm-hmm. on Amazon Prime. Just explain the process and, and why it was important to, to talk about your, your life in the early days. The process was, uh, it was grueling. Early on, I was, I was approached about it. I wasn't ready because I was still playing, approaching right around 28, 29 years old. By the time I hit 30, I was ready. My daughter was being conceived, Chloe. She's 13 now. So I wanted to, to be around for her, for her growth and adolescence. And the timing was just right. I was retiring. Um, the reason why we wanted to do the documentaries because there was a lot of things in my career that I wasn't really settled with. And I don't when it moved me. I wanted to do something greater than what I did when I played. And I wanted to show kids that. There's other ways that you could succeed, but you got to be tough when when adversity hits you. Mm-hmm. And this is what it looks like. And I was the guy before 
the Baron and the Paul and everybody else that came along that, you know, that benefited after that. When, when I had my injury and I started to go through all these challenges, I wanted people to see what that body of work really looked and felt like. And, mm -hmm. you know, inside and out, good, bad, and different. So we got a lot of different perspectives. And I'm thankful that we got the NBA guys that stepped up and gave the interviews, spoke on their own recognizances, and told their, their truths. And I think people need to realize when these interviews were being done, I was nowhere around. So it's not mm -hmm. like I was twisting somebody's arm to, to give us a certain uh, sound bite or something like that. They did that on their own. They spoke freely. And a lot of these interviews were an hour and an hour and a half, you know, in its entirety, each each one. So wow. it's a blessing, right, to be able to have that on a canvas, you know, in a basketball story. That's really a humanitarian story about a family yeah. and how the system tried to break the baby boy in that family, you know, that, that had favor and that was anointed to play this game that he loved so dearly. And, and basically, if it could happen to me, it could happen to anyone. And that's what's more important. And people need to take my story real serious because it's very relevant. It's timeless. And it's much needed today. Yeah. So that is, is that one of your motivating uh, factors of just continue to show it in different cities? Yeah, because a lot of the youth don't know who I am. So right. I'm just getting started. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, Matter of fact, we look, we we dropped it in 16 LA Film mm -hmm. Festival. We, we talked about this before. Yeah. They top five out of 4,200 films. We're talking about Hollywood. When does that ever happen for a documentary? Like that's right. God. You know what I mean? Like, it was yeah. it was meant to go the way it went. And for me today, I can't get on the road enough to get in front of kids and impact them because when they watch the film and then I do a QA, it is so powerful, man. It's priceless. Yeah, I mean, because there's not there's not many people that have experienced the high highs like you and not achieve what people think you're supposed to achieve. And you're right. out here face to face with them being able they can see you and you're right. able to give them knowledge of what happened, what to do, what not to do and drop gems like you've been dropping on on, on this podcast right now to them, like right in front of them. And I think that's more of an impact. Like, Absolutely. And I'm standing tall. I mean, right. you know, I'm, I'm in decent shape. I'm 6'6", about 245, 250 right now. You know, my health, I feel stronger than ever. I'm fully vaccinated. I took my flu shot, too. I take my multivitamin uh, organic, one of the best products every day. Yeah. Uh, I work out four times a week. I meditate. I pray daily. And I, I live my life the right way. I do the best that I can to help people live a life of service. And I'm I'm flawed. You know, I'm a human being. I make mistakes. Yeah. You know, I have my demons. You know, I've battled depression and, and, and suicide for, for almost 15, 20 years, you know, dealing with all of this. The, yeah. Not making it and having to show your face in the city where you grew up and hold your head high, knowing you didn't do nothing wrong with some bad stuff happened to you. So you learn more from people that have a testimony in life That's that everything works how can you really grow what, what can i glean to from that oh it all worked for you well well i've been through hell so you got to get out of the way let me find somebody that's real that's yeah. really been through life because life is adversity yeah. and we don't know when it's going to hit and how it's going to hit but when you handle it it's how you go through it Mm -hmm. that separates people a lot of people make excuses a lot of people duck but the ones that can meet it head on and deal with it and, and find the lesson and be better from it those are the ones that go further in life yeah man i think uh with your documentary that was the thing that like toward the end of it like that was the thing that that hurt me like watching you like is like you saying like that that you had to come back to to la and you had to hold your head high knowing that you were hurting on the inside. Like that had to be crazy, man. Like you were hit he like here and everybody, like anytime anybody mentioned Shay Cotton, we didn't even have to say their last name. We knew like, if you said Shay, we automatically knew who you was talking about. And like, just for the system, not to, you know, do what it did. Like it, it was, that was travesty. hurtful for me, man. Yeah, travesty. I mean, the system failed me. You know, nah, I did. Man. I passed the test. I had the grades to get in. 
I was recruited by every school in the country you could think of. I was the only player at that time to be recruited four different times. Wow. So I took four different experiences as far as recruiting was concerned. I mean, I had Syracuse, I had UConn, I had UNLV, SC, UCLA, Georgia Tech, NC State, Alabama. You know, every school that you see on television was pretty much recruiting me with the exception of like a Duke because I wasn't a Duke guy. So that didn't bother me. Like North Carolina. I hate so, Duke. You know. <laughs> you know. But, and, and Shay, uh, just to piggyback, but people don't realize what Dorian and you said the depression that that can cause someone because yeah, when you're on top and you're the man or the woman, everybody's around, but then yeah. when it doesn't work out, who's around, who, who are the family members or the friends that are still there? That's what yeah. people don't realize. It's yeah. like, damn, do you have anybody in your corner now? So that's, that's, that's amazing that you can talk to these kids and let them know, Hey, and there's a reason why you went through that. You know, like you said, like Dorian said, you got a no a, a, a different aura about it when you talk about kids and helping, and it's a it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful. Uh, thing. I appreciate it, man. It's the beginning. You know, I'm calling this the Manchild Grassroots Tour. So this this will be uh, one of many. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So did, did you want to talk about um, you know like moving forward, like more about the program that you're you're uh, going to be doing? Um, the foundation and stuff. Yeah, just uh, the Academy of Ideas. We're, we're looking to have our first um, citywide league in Long Beach started at the beginning of the new year around the first week of January. Uh, looking going to run three-month increments. We're going to do four different sessions. Uh, looking to do sponsor 100 kids, 50 boys and 50 girls. So we'll have 10 teams, 10 kids on a team. Uh, it'll be fully sponsored. And then we're, we're ideally going to do it um, through the Boys and Girls Club. We're working on consummating the, the deal now, so I'm praying about that, that everything is, is confirmed in the next 30 days here. But we're, we're, we're really excited. we got a lot of relationships from the municipal side all the way down, and um, we're tying in law enforcement. Um, it's, nice. a very, it's a very um, intriguing situation that we're looking at doing. We want to build the community relations with the law enforcement and, and curb a lot of this killing and this senseless violence and this disconnect with our community with law enforcement. That's important, man. That's definitely important. Uh, so Shay, before we get out of here, just let everybody know where they can, you know, all your Instagram, social media, anything where they can find your documentary. If they haven't seen it, please just uh, share that with everybody. You can find the Mad Child Doc right now on um, Instagram. At, at my social media profile, just click the link at the bottom. It's available now on all the main platforms, pretty much uh, Amazon Prime Video, uh, iTunes. Uh, you could go to my website, therealmanchild.com. Click the link there. It's available there also. And uh, definitely take heed to it. It's a powerful piece. And spread the word. And we'll continue to do that for sure. We, we enjoyed it. It was a great documentary. Really I did. watched it twice already, and I was yeah. watching it uh, again the other day just to to do some more research before we got got you on the pod and my wife was sitting there watching this she was like i want to finish watching that documentary you yeah. was watching because she 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 didn't know who you were and i was trying to tell her but then her watching some of the docs she was like she said it yesterday she was like i want to finish watching that documentary you was watching i was like all right that's yeah. right <laughs> yeah no. got support too man hey let, let, let's do something with, with a t too you know yeah for real let's do it bro well yeah We'll, we'll definitely uh, we'll come up with something, man, something special. So uh, before we let you go, this is just fun now. This is a bonus round. It's okay. called Rapid Fire. And you just give your, your answer. Um, okay. So I'll ask you just different questions. Uh, what is your favorite hoop shoe of all time? Jordan 5. Jordan 5. Jordan five. Favorite food? Filet gumbo. Oh. Favorite musician? Buster Rhymes. Favorite hooper of all time. Man. Yeah, you like Ron that. One more time. Ron Harper. Ron Harper. Whoa. In Cleveland. In Cleveland. Oh, yeah. I remember <laughs> okay. that. Hey, I actually learned how to do a reverse layup because of Ron Harper. That's right. That's right. Uh, what is your favorite go-to move? Hoop move. 
uh, jab step one dribble dunk, or probably the crossover. Okay. Uh, favorite hoop movie. I have to say my own. There you go. That's <laughs> nice. right. I was waiting for nice. and, and the last one is your favorite NBA team. Oh, Lake Show. Okay. Long. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. That's it. That's just quick rapid fire with you, man. So uh, appreciate you guys. We appreciate man. you. We we'll 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 have you on again uh okay. and, and continue just to let us know what you got going on you know you keep moving around but we this was a great podcast nah man, man. hey bro <laughs> like we've been doing podcasts for a minute but like with this new format with the shoot for teams like we wanted to bring people on like the gems you drop bro like honestly like it it it's helped me <laughs> yeah for real i'm over here thinking man for real <laughs> Right, Absolutely. So. Well, it's it's a blessing, man. I give all all grace to God, man. And I thank you guys again for this opportunity. Yeah, and I and I'm always blown away, like when when I get to speak to you, just seeing how humble you are, and to see how how genuine you are. Because I mean, you could clearly be the opposite of what you are. Yes. Because of what hey, you accomplished, then I would be me. I, I know, be I know, me. I know. <laughs> Because yeah. I even I told I think I um I, I would tell my dad I told him I think I remember I don't re I didn't remember when we met but I remember after telling my dad like dad we met Shay Cotton he was like Shay Cotton mm -hmm. I was like yeah I was like he is so cool I was like he was like one of the coolest people like like I've met like you was just so like down to earth and like easy to talk to and like you always show love every time we see you anywhere so. Like we were that. on cloud. We were on cloud nine the rest of the day. We had <laughs> hopped around for all star, and we was like, That's "Oh, right. there's so and so, man. We met Shay Cotton. We just nah, sat the whole day. So we <laughs> real, we appreciate real. that, man. Appreciate but we will like. Um, I don't know how you want to do it. Like we can, we can set up a time to where if you want to like collab on on some ideas and we can brainstorm and we can come up with like a whole like uh like a capsule for you and That's like. Cool. Yeah, Let me know what, what works. AM times is always better for me. Okay. During the week, the weekends are a little tougher. So let's figure something out. We'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, let's do it, bro. For sure. For sure. Okay. Let's work. Sure. We again, um, we appreciate you. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for being on here. Likewise. Have a um, good day. Thank you too. You too. We're going to sign off uh, your boy, uh, Old Man Ross, sweatsuits and fly kicks. Spread love and not hate. It's your boy D Hill to get far bandit. Get in the gym, shoot some jumpers at least about eight. Peace. <laughs> All right. Peace. <laughs>